good morning. Uh, welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this beautiful morning. Before we begin our worship, Mary just sat down, but Mary has an announcement for us. So. Look forward to, to the event on Saturday. Last year we did serve a number of people from the community and I know they truly considered it a blessing. So it is a chance to, to love our neighbors and to serve others. So consider how you can join in that effort. Uh, also wanted to remind you that newsletter articles are due today. So if you have anything to go in the newsletter, let Rose or Mary know so we can get that in. Also the portals of prayer devotionals are out in the upper narthex. I would encourage you to pick one up if you haven't. Uh, if you haven't seen these portals of prayers, they're very helpful, uh, very biblically based, Lutheran based. Uh, in the beginning and toward the end, there are lots of prayers, lots of prayer resources. So it's a good resource book to help you in your devotional life. If you haven't picked one up, you might want to consider doing so. Uh, are there any prayer requests or any announcements that you all have for the congregation? All right. If not, in lieu of a prelude this morning, uh, in an honor of Sunday school, our regular Sunday school schedule starting today, we are going to sing Apple Red Happiness for our prelude. Uh, but I do want you to notice here the musical notation there says with a lively bounce. So I expect a lively bounce as we sing this morning. Thank you. 
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. 
for the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to God's people on earth. God, merciful judge, you are the inexhaustible fountain of forgiveness. Replace our hearts of stone with hearts that love and adore you, that we may delight in doing your will, through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. A reading from Genesis. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brother said, what if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays back in full for all the wrongs that we did to him? So they approached Joseph, saying, Your father gave me this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong that they did in harming you. Now, therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him, and said, We are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though, you, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good, in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provi provide for you and your little ones. In this way he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. The word of the Lord. Be Our psalm today is Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all God's Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the grave and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle's? You made known your ways to Moses and your works to the children of Israel. O Lord, you are full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, and abounding You will not always accuse us, nor will you keep your anger forever. You have not dealt with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so is your great steadfast love for those who fear you. As a father has compassion for his children, so you have compassion for those who fear you. A reading from Romans. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak only eat vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? 
It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day observe it in honor of the Lord. Also those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God, while those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For this to end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each of us will be accountable to God. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him that debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. While his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we finish up our readings that we started this summer on Romans, with Romans chapter 14. And as we look at Romans 14, I think it will be helpful to think of the Christian life as the cross with two beams. Right On a cross, there is a vertical beam and there's a horizontal beam. And the vertical beam represents our relationship to our creator. This is the relationship that is made possible by the death and resurrection of Christ, who took your sins so that you would become a child of God. So as a Christian, you are forgiven. As a Christian, you are made free in Jesus Christ. In your life and in your death, you belong to God, as Paul says which means you are always free to turn to him. Your relationship with God is the only relationship that eternally defines who you are, both now and in the life to come. You belong to him. And this is the greatest source of freedom, as we've heard over and over throughout the book of Romans. You don't have to live to justify your existence, nor do you have to live to show anyone how holy and pious you are just as you don't have to live to prove to God how holy and good you are. You are already declared righteous in Christ. As St. Paul has told us in Romans already, there is no condemnation for those 
who put their trust in Christ. And I hope you can see how liberating this really is. It's the, it's the foundation of freedom. There's no working, there's no struggling to earn a place before God. There's only freedom to enjoy his gracious gifts. So if this vertical beam of the cross symbolizes our relationship with God, the horizontal beam represents our relationship with our neighbors, with one another. Because God places us in many situations to love our neighbor. In our Lutheran tradition, we call these situations vocations, callings. These are the roles you have to love those around you. It's your role as husband or wife, parent, grandparent, child, employee, supervisor, teacher, student, next door neighbor, American citizen, and so on. These are the horizontal roles God gives us as an opportunity to share his love with those around us. So in Romans 14, St. Paul is going to make a connection between the vertical and the horizontal for us. He wants us to understand how the freedom we receive in our vertical relationship frees us up to live faithfully in the horizontal relationships. He's going to show us how to use our freedom. Well, we know this idea, or at least this concept, a little bit from being American citizens. We know what it is to use our freedom for the good of others, right? Hopefully, we vote our conscience and vote in a way which we believe will help our society, and we're free to do that. We're free to speak freely. We're free to assemble with one another, to encourage one another, to publish things we believe are good and true. We can use our freedom as Americans to benefit one another. Well, in the spiritual sense, we also have the opportunity to use our freedom for one another. And St. Paul's point is this, right? Because we're made free by Christ, we are free to love and support our neighbors, each other, in a way that will encourage them. In Romans, Paul is writing specifically to a church that's mixed up with three kinds of people. You have Jewish believers, Jews who have become Christians. You have Gentile believers who now want to adopt Jewish practices from the Old Testament. And now you have Gentile believers, Gentile Christians, who do not want to adopt Old Testament practices. So you have differing opinions and different circumstances on how exactly the traditions are going to adopt look like, what the Christian life will look like in their community together. And so you can imagine how this might be a tricky pastoral situation for the church. Because you have some Christians in the church saying, it's better for believers not to eat pork, for example. Then you have some Christians saying, well, it's better just for Christians not to eat meat at all. And then you have some Christians saying, well, we can eat whatever we want because we're free. You have some Christians saying, well, we should celebrate some holidays. Then you have other Christians saying, no, you don't need to recognize holidays at all. And so there are all of these opinions about how human traditions are to be practiced in the church. And you can see how these different opinions and traditions might get in the way of being a congregation together. And of course, that's not so far removed from us either. Churches in our context have had all kinds of similar debates about traditions. Right? What kind of music should be played in church? Which instruments can be used in church? Should Christians cross themselves? Is it better to receive communion from a common cup or from individual glasses? Should the pyramids during Advent be blue or purple? Can Christians drink alcohol and use tobacco? Can Christians watch R-rated movies? Can Christians dance and play cards? How should people dress for church? What paint color should the chancel be? What should the carpet look like? And so on. Right? There's no end to these types of questions and no end to how these questions have divided congregations over the centuries. But St. Paul is going to give us some clarity on this. Because he argues that because of Christ, we are free vertically, right, horizontally, we're also free in the human traditions we follow. And this is the first assumption. Right? There's no human tradition that's going to justify you before God. Christ has already accomplished that. So choosing traditional music over contemporary music is not going to make you more holy. Keeping a Lenten fast is not going to score points with God for you. It's not going to make you more saved. Becoming a vegetarian for the sake of your salvation is not any more pious than eating any kind of food. 
because our hope and trust is not in the traditions and the practices we follow, but our hope is in the promise of Christ. This means we're free in how we understand the things we do practice. Our practices are freed up to encourage and support our neighbor, not in self-justification. So Paul says, if eating pork is a problem for your brother or sister in the church, when you invite them over to dinner, don't serve them pork. Don't ridicule them. Don't boast about how free you are in Christ. Instead, encourage one another. Encourage those who practice different traditions from yours and do not judge them. And here Paul reminds us that God is going to be the judge of us all. And so in one sense, we're free from being the judges of one another. Our job is not as judge. That's God's job. And so in the non-essential things and the practices of living out our faith, it's not our job to condemn our brothers and sisters. It's not our job to say, well, so-and-so in the pew in front of me doesn't cross himself. I bet he doesn't believe as much as I do. Right? Or so-and-so drinks beer on the weekends, so I know he can't be a good Christian. Right? Rather, we let God be the judge of these practices. You are free to simply love your brother and not change him. What Paul will say in Romans 14, 13, which comes right after our lectionary reading, is that we are not to become stumbling blocks to one another. Right? We're not called together as a church to quarrel about external opinions. We're called together to be shaped by the word of God. In the non-essentials, we are free to express charity with one another because the non-essentials do not save us. And likewise, Paul warns us not to impose laws on one another in which Christ has set us free. We have no place to insist that every Christian prays the same way that we do, or eats the same things we do, or fasts like we do, or dresses in the same style that we do for worship. Right? All the traditions, all the externals are precisely that. They are not the fundamental thing which unites us. What unites us is the word of God to us who are called the children of God. What unites us in terms of the Lutheran confessions is the right teaching and proclamation of the gospel and the proper giving of the sacraments. All else we're free to view through the lens of charity. And here's the thing. All of us are going to fail at this. You are going to fail at being a charitable Christian because all of us universally are tempted to be self-righteous Christians. We're all tempted to look at our neighbor in contempt and to judge them as something a little less than we are. And so sometimes we use our freedom in Christ to think how better we are than others. We're all tempted to quarrel over opinions and get disgusted with each other and begin to think sinful, angry thoughts about our brother and sister. But this is not why God has set us free. God has set us free to look at our neighbors with love and charity. But know that this horizontal living is difficult. Right? It's never perfect in this life. It's always a challenge set before us to live this out. And the New Testament, as you read it, is full of examples of this. St. Paul deals with this constantly in his letters to his congregations. Right? Because letting love and charity define our relationships is a lifelong learning for us. And when we try it, we fail at it. When you try always to look with love and charity on your neighbor, you're going to fail. But when we fail, it's not an excuse to give up and stop loving our neighbor. But in the failure, we lean, we lean on the vertical truth, right? That truth that we are forgiven and justified by Christ alone. Our failures in loving our neighbors do not cut us off from God. And so even through the failures, we don't give up. We continue to try to live out our vocations of loving our neighbors. So day by day, we attempt to learn what it is to love one another by the Holy Spirit's direction. And this is possible only by the free grace of God for you in Jesus Christ. And so Paul reminds us, this is where you are to put your hope, in that free grace, not in the externals, not in the human traditions, but only in the gospel of Jesus Christ for you. Amen.
Together let us stand and confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of the one being with the Father, through him all things were made, and for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, and in accordance with the Scriptures, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, in your mercy you have forgiven our insurmountable debt of sin, ransoming us with the death of your Son, and now free us from our grudges and our unforgiving natures. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, as you kept Joseph from evil and brought good from his sufferings in Egypt, Deliver us by your grace, so that we may learn patience in trials. Teach us to be slow to judge, quick to forgive, and steadfast in love for you and one another. Lord, in your mercy. We praise you, O Lord, for retaining among us your holy word and sacraments. Continue to raise up faithful stewards of your mysteries, that repentance and forgiveness of sins in Christ's name would be proclaimed in our midst and throughout the whole world. Prepare your baptized children to be faithful confessors of the hope that is in them. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for sending to this congregation believers who are willing to serve as Sunday school teachers. Guide them as they teach and lead their students. And bless and encourage all students with the faithful study of your word. Lord, in your mercy. God of power and might, sustain the nations of the earth and lead them in the way of justice and truth. Defend life and liberty and give us honest and faithful rulers that our nation may strive toward what is honorable, true, and just. And especially bless our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael with wisdom and discernment to act justly. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, according to your will, grant healing to the sick and infirm, and those in any kind of trouble, especially Wes, Matt, Charlie, Jane, Nancy, Nancy, Steve, Max, Rose, Barb, John, Brandy, Marilyn, Virgil, Tony, Carolyn, and Amanda. Grant them patience to endure their time of suffering and crown their days with your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. And merciful God, though we come to your table as servants who owe a debt we cannot pay, your Son has forgiven it. As we receive his very body and blood for our forgiveness, let us be grateful and go out to serve others with the same spirit of forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Heavenly Father, for the sake of Christ Jesus our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending indeed holy almighty and merciful God you are most holy and great is the majesty of your glory you so love the world that you gave your only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life we give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will and to accomplish all things for our salvation in the night in which he was betrayed our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving, and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants, and these your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with heavenly blessing and grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin, may be formed to live as your holy people, and be given our inheritance with all of your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor, glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation, please stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.